he said there was no Christian music back then. But all of a sudden, it became Christian music instead of Christians making music. And all of a sudden, there was Christian business, there was Christian parenting, there were all these specialized, bubble-type, Christianese types of things which separated us from the world we were trying to reach. We have a very special guest today on the Shield of Hope podcast on the Shield of Hope channel. It is David DeMarco. He is a singer, songwriter, entertainer, and Christian artist. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing great, Donnie. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. So I know we talked before the show about uh, being in this unusual time. Uh, what can you say to somebody out there that maybe is feeling a little bit down in this time? Well, you know, uh, down times do not last, but it's, it's through... Uh, the journey of this these turbulent times that uh, obviously is is very insecure very emotional uh, but but also during these times it causes us to dig a little deeper ask some questions that we wouldn't normally ask some more meaningful questions i would say to uh, anyone including myself you know hold steady hold steady to um uh, your faith holds steady to you with your family. Uh, don't be afraid um, to go down those insecure paths of what if and uh, come to these answers that only faith uh, has a sure foundation to respond to. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, I, I know that uh, you might have seen that me and Keith Evans are mutual friends online. But do you remember coming to Berwick Assembly of God, my uh, original church, back when his uh, his dad was a pastor? Yes, I loved his father. Of course, I loved Keith. Loved that church. We had some uh, great uh, great times there. I do remember. I remember you doing a skit. Now, this is probably when I was about eight or nine years old at the time. You did a uh, about the fig tree. Do you remember doing a skit like that at the church? Wow. I, you're going to have to help me because I, <laughs> I really, oh, I, uh, I don't recall. Okay. Uh, I remember it was it, it was in your music and uh, you took a second and stopped and then talked about the fig tree and about how cutting off the, uh, you know, how like the unfruitful limbs. I remember it specifically for that day because I, you were the actual first performer I remembered showing up at uh, Berwick Assembly of God when I was growing up. So you're, okay. you're like the you're like the household name for me because you know I just you know that's like David DeMarco's coming. Oh, that's cool. I you know you I enjoyed him last time. All you know? right. <laughs> but no, I want I wanted to see if you kind of remembered that or not. Yeah, I know that I, I've written about that in, in some of my my music, uh, you know, but. Uh most important thing I do remember just the strong connection that I had with uh, that church and the people there and you go to different places and um, I call it in, in the churchy terms the demand people put on your gift you can feel people drawing from what's inside of you and some places you go um, the draw in the pool isn't as strong as others so I've found in places like Berwick and churches like that that really have a strong pull on what's inside of you uh they end up getting more from you and even the deeper stuff so we've always i've always had great times there now how do you um i'm you know how like the spirit leads you in different church settings and you feel the spirit probably stronger in some churches than the other 
do you tend to feed off the energy of, of a place when you're performing or do you tend to like try to create the energy? A little bit of both. There's there's an ebb and flow. What I really am fascinated by is organizational culture. You know, church culture. In a home, there's a culture. The culture's everywhere, right? It's on the walls and pictures. It's in their words. It's how they dress. It's, you know, it's, it's you can even see it right from the, the marquee when you, when you drive by the church or the organization. And I'm fascinated by that. So for me, what's fun is being able to quickly uh, discern the culture, the espoused values, why people come here, what brings them together, what is emphasized in this church, and to search and say, okay, what's in me to assimilate this culture and serve this culture, connect with people where they're at, and bring them over to where I'm at, whether that's side by side, whether that's higher, whether that's, it, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm a change agent. That's what I love. I'm, I'm ultimately a revivalist, a resurgent agent, right? So what I love about that is, is, is doing that. And when you make that connection, uh, you, you take them places. They take you places. So that ebb and flow, you know, we see that in the Bible. Jesus, there were certain places that Jesus went to uh, where the, the connection was greater. And there were some places that, you know, the, the culture was just, you know, and I, and I see that everywhere. I call them Mary and Martha churches. You've got your Mary churches that are just, all about the presence of God, all about worship, all about the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the move of God. All we want is, the, and that's all great and fun. Those married churches are the ones that forget to pick you up at the airport, though. You know, <laughs> and then you've got, then you've got the Martha churches that are all about process and and programs and service and and things of that sort. And they're they program everything. And they micromanage every, it's just the culture, it's not right or wrong, right? So I've got to do all I need to do in 45 minutes. i got to sing, i got to speak, i got to do this, i got to do, and, and that's fine. And, and sometimes those Martha churches can program Jesus and the Spirit completely out. So what I try to do with these churches is quickly connect with their culture and 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 bring them into some new new waters and that's where the refreshing and the revivalist and the resurgence happens and that's just how i'm wired i i love it i love it i'm more of a, a pioneer than a settler or a protector god uses all of those three types um but the important thing is, you know, I'm basically a servant, a sheepdog, you know, to wherever I go. Now, I'm assuming, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm just assuming, obviously, uh, because being a director and liking my feature films more than I do my short films, because you got to compress, you know. Uh, which, I think, which I think your work's amazing, Donnie. Well, thank it is you. fantastic. So I, I think, uh, especially for me, when you're taking a feature film, you know, you have like an unlimited amount of time, basically, to tell a story. And you're and you're squeezing into a short film. Is it kind of like that for those those different churches and those different uh, services, where you're just looking at it and saying, okay, well, you know, it needs to be done in 45 minutes. How challenging is that compared to like if they just don't even give you like a time frame, like do as you will? Is there is there any it is, like? It is challenging. It is it is a welcomed challenge. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you an example. My my Christmas tour that I do was initially meant 
to provide a turnkey product or service or event for the entire family to give churches and their personnel and their staff a Sunday off in a busy Christmas season, you know, especially to smaller churches, uh, to provide something that is um, inspirational, entertaining, um, inspiring. Uh, it takes them through different scenes, right? So each church is different. Some church will say, we only want 45 minutes and we don't really, you know, we just want to worship Jesus. We don't, we don't want any of this entertainment or Christmas stuff. Then you have some churches that are like, you know, this is a Christmas party for us. And, and we just, we want carols. We want jingle bells. We want all the, all the stuff. Right. So you, you gotta, you've, you gotta figure out the first thing I ask is how much time do I have? And, and, and for me, it's really about what does it take to bring people to that moment in that shortened amount of time. If anything, Donnie, we are moving into, because of the digital age, people's attention spans, right, are getting smaller and smaller. You know, um, that's right, the whole, the whole you, you, condensing your content is, is so Im important, right? So um, it's an interesting dance, but I find it, I find it fascinating, and it really all comes down to this, and you know this from being a producer and a writer. What is the one thing that I want people to come away with? Now, through that one message, there's different angles, and you want to take them to, through different moments, and sometimes with that time crunch, you have to compromise and say, I, I, I have to do this. All right, I got to cut this out, but it all comes to order under what is the clearest, most efficient path that will bring them to that one message that I want to leave them with. I think you nailed that perfectly. Oh, I, thank you. Now, I put Michael and Joseph O'Brien on the spot. The, my, actually, they were my first podcast I ever did. So oh, I'm going to put you yeah, on the... I saw, I saw a little bit of that. That was great. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, however, like I put them on the spot. What was your favorite place you ever performed at? Oh, without a doubt, the, the apex. It was something I did for 10 years. Uh, the church denomination I grew up in, very small. It was uh, at the Pasquarelli Center in Johnstown, Pitt Johnstown, a branch campus. Um, absolutely my favorite. Um, I did that for a decade. And every year it was the highlight of my year, uh, probably because I was able to touch a generation. I was able to see... Um, uh, modern worship, introduce it and see it take flight and and uh, just change a generation. Yeah, it was special. Now, faith, obviously faith is a big part of your life. So tell us a little bit about your backstory growing up and like what really inspired you to get into music? Well, I, I think music is just such a, a, a powerful medium. Just, just as uh, just as uh, cinema is you know because it touches it touches the senses right but music conveys uh, uh, repetition there's there's so many things and it just touches your the soulish realm i grew up uh, my father was a, a musician uh he was a pastor so I, I grew up with you know musicians coming to the house matter of fact my grandfather would pick up musicians you know in the early <laughs> the uh, 1900s and, and, and travel to churches and just 
you know, play music, you know. So I was I was around it, uh, and the, the combination of using music to inspire people with an eternal message just quickly caught, you know, caught on with me. Um, and um, I basically, throughout the years, I moved to, I moved to the church capital, you know, of this country, Tulsa, and I, and I moved to the music capital of this country, Nashville, and I just became a student, and I basically went, um, went to people and asked them to mentor me. I mean, the first time, you know, I grew up where contemporary Christian music started to really gain some, some traction, right? Uh, because before that, it was just Southern gospel and hymns. <laughs> and uh, so I remember the first time, I mean, I, I grew up listening to uh, a lot of Christian music. Of course, you've got Michael W. Smith, you got Amy Grant, you've got all these other bands that came out. But I was particularly fascinated with the Milo Lefebvre and Broken Heart, uh, Carmen, any band that had evangelism that after or in between the music they preached and uh, I was fascinated with the whole crusade concert format that Carmen did that I moved to Tulsa and man I was like yeah that's what I want to do and I want to learn from that guy so that kind of started the ball rolling and then I um, uh, I developed um, just a team locally and we just began to travel regionally and I had our own production, and, and then the big move to, to Nashville, Tennessee to help start a church uh, was something that really changed or uh, boosted uh, my, my calling to a whole new, new level, being a part of a, a, a unique church um, that really incorporated uh, prophetic music and modern worship and outreach, and uh, it was a special place, so... Um, now, That's kind of how that got going. Now, I know sometimes you look back, and I know um, there's verses in the Bible. It's kind of like you know, looking back at your life is kind of like through like a stained glass window. Um, yeah. But the, my question to you is: Did you ever find yourself back in your early days of trying to? I don't want to say make a name for yourself, but trying to relay the message and the spirit and try to get your music out there. Did you ever feel like frustrated with how people responded to your work? or maybe like a lack of respect in, in, in the overall cycle of you being a performer? Oh, uh, quite frequently. Um, uh, when I was in, in Nashville and I began to make uh, albums, I remember going down to every record label and knocking on the doors. And, uh, you know, rejection is a constant part of the creative process, and you have to have thick skin. But you don't always have thick skin. You know, and I just believe that the stuff that God gave me and, you know, uh, assembled a specific group of people to, to, to help me serve this vision, I, I believed it was, and it still is, some of the best stuff out there. Uh, you have to be uh, the president of your own fan club in a humble way and believe in your product and what you're doing um, because you know, uh, you're the one that drives the engine alongside of, of God. But I can remember that the, the, the frustration of being told by record labels, listen, Dave, you, you know, uh, one major record label that's still there, uh, is listen, you've got everything we're looking for. You have the songs, you have the depth uh, of faith, you have a following, you can command a large stage, but you're not a part 
of a mega church. And that's what we really need. We just, we advise you to go join a church like Hillsong or Gateway, and then, and then we'll sign you. That was a huge, huge frustrating blow to me as, as, as an artist. And, you know, nobody handles rejection very well, and it manifests in so many different ways. Uh, I, I started to have a chip on my shoulder about that because, you know, I started to think, wow, man, if, if God had that way of appointing people and promoting people, then David would have never became king. So I, I, I began to look at, and, and even now I see it, there is so much stuff out there that is, is and, and, and I don't say this to discredit anybody that is in the worship, the modern worship, which has now become an industry, okay? Uh, but the, the mega churches have become the new record labels. And because of the large megaphone and platform they have, you know, whatever they produce, you know, is going to be uh, duplicated and copied and embraced as significant. So I would tell any artist, keep making your art, keep writing your songs, keep producing your film, even if it's just for your own enjoyment. Because if we continually think that the validating mark of our art is more of the masses embracing us, then uh, we will constantly live in this tug of war of, of, of validation. And, and I believe art was just was created. Uh, God gave us that avenue to express our feelings, our faith, the world around us, and uh, you know, give it to God to, to, to do the increase. But to, to answer your question, yeah. Um, uh, that that has been that has been a journey. And I think I think every artist, uh, because you want your art uh, to be embraced. You know, it's like it's like cooking a good meal. You want everybody to enjoy it. You know. Yeah, and it's but, in, and it's yeah. interesting that you said that too, because like especially with the mega churches and like you know when you're just like trying to like oh well you have everything you need. But, you know, you're not a part of this, you're not a part of this. Because being a filmmaker, me, uh, when I was down pitching a film to help Steve Sensabaugh, who was down in Dubois, Pennsylvania, get his Christian film made, you know, he went to different churches and asked for not necessarily sponsorship, but just see who would, like, be interested in this idea about this, uh... This inmate on death row. Uh, it's like a, it's a story. Obviously, it's it's not a real. It's not in, uh, based off anything that we, of course, that I wrote or that he's written. But you know, we went to these churches, and these churches also said they're like, "Well, you're not a part of uh, a bigger church, so we don't want to help fund these films." Which I mean, I'm not all for, especially as a filmmaker myself. I'm not really for uh, trying to. I, I'm more personally involved with. Uh, making sure that I produce the content because I feel like, you know, that control issue, I like to have, like, you know, whatever film I put out is going to be, like, what I think is good compared to, like, having other people, like, say, well, this isn't what we put our money towards. You know what I'm kind of saying there? Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, for I know what you're saying about the mega churches, though, because you're not a part of it. Um, do you, why is that for the music industry, though? Like, why, why would they, like, is it the same kind of concept? Yeah, if I can be so forthright, it's it's completely um, driven by money. It, mm. It's you know, um, and what you know the labels used to do is basically you do all the work, you get the following, 
and get the momentum, and then we'll take it to the next level uh, because we can monetize off of it. And now worship is an industry now. Worship is being is being monetized, and that's a whole other conver- conversation. But uh, it's it's definitely um, you know it's it's there's 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 money in, involved, and it's money's not bad. Uh, but the love of it, as we know, uh, uh, is is a route that leads to some really bad things. Mm-hmm. What um, did you always want to use your talents for God and the gospel, or did you ever want to venture to like a different genre, or like you know, like it, was there ever like a falling away moment in your life? Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, you know, I grew up a pastor's kid, and. Uh, you know, I was in that bubble of, you know, just listening to Christian music. I can remember uh, my my brother sitting in the living room busting his records because a preacher came in and basically, you know, said, you know, rock and roll was of the devil. And I look back at what he was busting, and he was busting some good stuff, <laughs> you know. And, um, uh, you know, just growing through that, and always wanting to uh, to branch out. I'm actually doing that right now with my next EP that I'm uh, that I'm working on. But I'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, I I I, I uh, there was this stigma I struggled with that Christian music is the highest form of music because it conveys the message of Christ and the love of God. And then it went to worship music is even better than just Christian music because it's vertical and it talks to God and glorifies God. And uh, it's just been through just being around a long time. God doesn't see that way. Anything that the Spirit of God is behind in the creative process glorifies Him. We, we even if it's not explicitly spelling it out, Jesus Christ is Lord. So, you know, I would love to see more and more people like yourself venture into humanity and not continue to make more and more better Christian films, Christian music. I'll never forget this, Donnie. Uh, I was in the green room of a local uh, Christian station. And I was talking with a guy by the name of John Fisher, who has a, um, I believe he has a, a blog, but he hung out with Larry Norman in the early days of Christian music, right? And he's telling me this story. Um, and this was before my time, but he said, you know, I was a church kid and I loved God. And, you know, I was coming out of prayer meeting one time and I got into my vehicle and I turned on the radio and the Beatles were playing. I want to hold your hand. And I started jamming to it and joining. And then all of a sudden I turned it off and I really felt the spirit of God say to me, what are you doing? And he says, well, well, God, and I'm not supposed to listen to this kind of music, you know? And God said, does that music bring you joy? Well, yeah. Don't you think I've created music to bring you joy? Sure. Well, now go glorify me with the music that brings you joy. And what John began to tell me, he says, back then we were just 
we were just people that loved God and we were just making music that connected with our generation. You know, he said there was no Christian music back then, but all of a sudden it became Christian music instead of Christians making music. And all of a sudden there was Christian business. There was Christian parenting. There were all these specialized bubble type Christianese types of things which separated us from the world we were trying to reach and i thought that i thought that was fascinating and what i'm what i'm saying is it's not either or but it but it's both i think i, I think worship music is wonderful i think there's way way so much good stuff but i think we're limiting ourselves as as artists and writers uh, to 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 think that it is the highest form of art. I think God sees art as art, and you know, um, just as rest is as much as worship as going to church. Uh, we are never more closer to God than when we create, because mm-hmm. He's He's a creator. Yeah, and I completely agree with you there because I know, you know, the whole shield of hope and with what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to make moralistic films. And they don't necessarily have, like, the straight-out Word of God message in them. Like, you know, they're not like, oh, you need to accept Christ now type message. They're more just, you know, they're more moral. They're more telling a good story and not being, you know, using absurd language or absurd, uh, like, scenery and stuff like that. You know, and I think that I'm, I'm trying to connect the people because I believe, you know, the, the old saying of, uh, one plants, one waters, one watches grow. I wouldn't be the one that plants the seed with how they view my films, you know, compared to like, yeah, there's maybe not the Christian message in it, but it's moralistic. And that's the kind of route that I'm going down. Now I had a, um, it was actually my uncle the other day. Um, he told me because I'm working on a sci-fi film now, you know, a nice little yeah. short film. And, um, he told me, he's like, he's like, I know you love star Wars and all that because we're, we're big star Wars fans up here, but he's like, uh, you just got to be careful because he's like, I, I do believe that, um, you know, just like George Lucas and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm quoting him, obviously, um, but he's like, just like George Lucas, he's like, some people view that as religion and God doesn't want you like taking them away. And I, and I looked at him and I was like, it's not George Lucas's fault that, you know, he made a good story between good and evil and people are viewing Jedi as a religion now. It's like, you know. And he's like, well, I believe that you could be punished for that one day if you put out a false message. And I'm, I'm looking at him, and I was like, you know, that's obviously for people's interpretation if you do something science fiction. But right. I, I don't, <laughs> you know, it, it's it was a weird concept to me. So, I mean, I'm not very, like, I'm not going to take that to heart or anything. But um, I think, again, I think just like you were saying, it kind of, you know, takes, a, like, we're, if we're more straight to the point and we're just making christian films instead of christians making films i think it takes us to a whole different perspective and uh hopefully no, I, I absolutely agree with you 100 percent. and uh I, I you know sometimes that's like a dark cloud that travels with you when you when you create if you've been raised in a church background right that if it doesn't explicitly point to jesus right that uh you're compromising and it's uh, uh nothing can be more further than the truth i i am what's happening in my own life and with the, the new music i'm writing i've kind of slowed down um speaking and writing to christians 
and I want to speak and write to humans. Mm-hmm. I think we do a really good job of becoming better Christians, and sometimes we're just lousy humans. Jesus was not a Christian. Jesus came to humanity. So we form, and it's just part of the fall, we form these this binary thinking of it's got to be this or that or either or or this black and white in a world of gray. Now, I'm not talking about compromise, and I'm not talking about... I'm talking about there is nuance in this world. And in the church, many times we have a problem with navigating and tolerating nuance, the gray. And this is what causes wars. This is what causes divisions. The greatest tyranny is the intolerance of nuance and the camping out of black and white. That's why we have thousands of denominations. This is what, this is why, you know, it's, we separate Christianity from humanity. If God's grace colors the gray in the world, and if Jesus was the light of the world, light itself has a vast, vast array of colors. Just green, green, the color green has a million variations. Then when you take the shades of every color and how each eye uniquely processes color, you're in the multi-decillions. So I've, I've come to this place of peace in my life that says, you know, with my art, with my ministry or service to the Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna do more to speak human and be a, a better human than I am a better Christian. And you and you always have to be innovating yourself too, because once you once you stop moving forward with how you start uh, treating people and trying to bring people to Christ in these different variations, you know, you we start to fall flat. And getting next, getting to the, my next question, uh, with social media, you see people, artists, other singers, groups, bands, filmmakers, even, you know, they're embracing the new age of technology. Do you think the church is falling behind with that? Like the church in general? I think the the COVID nineteen quarantine has forced progress, forced churches to adapt or die. Um, it, it, um, it's very interesting. I don't know if this has ever happened before, uh, in, in our lifetime. It is a good thing. Um, so we are seeing churches embrace social, social media and technology. Um, technology does so many things, right? It allows us to, to make things quicker and to make things more, to make things better, to distribute them in, in, in mass amounts, uh, just like progress in, in industry, right? Um, uh, there's a downside to that as well. Um, sometimes the best art, as we're finding out, the best products are handcrafted. They take a little longer time. They last a lot longer. Everything serves a, a purpose, Donnie. Um, I think with, with technology and embracing things like that for the church, there is much opportunity 
there's also uh, obstacles to that. For instance, with uh, churches embracing social media during this um, this quarantine, it, there is an overwhelming amount of content on social media. Uh, each church has become their own uh, TV station or production company in order to put content out and stay connected to their community. And that's, that's, that's all good and fine. Um, so much great content. Uh, the downside to that is with so much frequent and great content, um, it becomes a drop in a monsoon, right? And we're competing for a three-second attention span of, of people. And I, I think... Um, Churches who have embraced technology uh, during this quarantine, which 99% of them had to, or they they would die. Right? Um, you know, once again, there's there's benefits to that that they can make uh, great great content. Uh, but I was just doing this. Um, I, I was just um, I didn't release this yesterday, but I was I was talking to. Um, just people in my circle, uh, creators and worship leaders and artists. And, and I was talking about right now during this quarantine is the time to make hay, not distribute the hay. Because for the most part right now, there's so much out there. Uh, for me personally, if I would put something out, release something out right now during this quarantine, it'd just be white noise, you know. But um, technology is a powerful tool. The timing and 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 uh, of that uh, and taking advantage of that as it as it uh, uh, applies to the timing and the message and the subject um, is you know is very important. It was fascinating on Sunday because on Sunday, you know, I I actually appreciate Facebook for the churches more than I do YouTube or uh, even Twitter and stuff like that because Facebook. Uh, it's pretty cool because when you're on Facebook and you like – there's two churches I pay attention to in the area that I'll watch the sermons. So you know when they're live, I'll watch it on Facebook. And if you actually scroll down, it actually puts in categories like you can go to the next church that's live, the next church that's live. So it's pretty cool to check out all the all the churches. But oh, that's great. One of my biggest concerns though about all this because I'm looking at the view count and I know uh, the church I specifically go to. Um, say there's about 100 people in the congregation on a Sunday. Now, obviously, on the views, they had about 200, 300, so they're reaching more people, and I think that is a great thing. My problem is this. Do you think we'll ever hit a stage in life where the church will just be internet-bound only, or do you think after all this that there will be an actual meeting place for churches? Well, I, I think there's always going to be the personal touch. That's why companies still pay thousands of dollars to put their employees on a plane to go overseas just for a 30-minute face-to-face meeting because uh, nonverbal communication is greater than than verbal communication. There's something about the human moment that we will always have. There's something about the live, tangible event we will always have. Now, the frequency and the magnitude of that, yeah, that's that's probably going to change. the whole reaching people, Donnie, I, I thought about this. And, and the, the thing about um, the proof of your attention and your presence on social media is is somewhat misleading. 
because, you know, when I'm attending church and I bug out a little early once, I mean, if I do that consistently, you know, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm really dialing in. Well, on social media, all you can do is hit like and put a comment in, and man, you've put your time in at church. You know, uh, and, and what? And on the other side, these organizations look at it and they're like, "Man, we got you know five thousand views and three hundred likes on this thing," but there's it doesn't really measure how long people were dialed in and they were they were engaged. You know, you don't see the you don't see the nonverbal cues, you don't see the body language, you don't see all of that. But I think it is a place where definitely. Um, it's going to be more of the norm now, and then the pendulum will shift. If history shows us anything, right, it's the cyclical patterns. We see it in fashion. We see it uh, in philosophies. We see it in movements. Uh, that's what I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see after this quarantine, right, we're going to see a huge surge of people getting out going to live events, going to church. We're going to see a big surge in attendance with church. But then I think, and this is my personal opinion, I think we're going to see that shrink back and people go back to, well, the whole online thing was cool. Yeah, working on working at home was was, was cool. Um, yeah, I love it. It's, it's fascinating. We, humans are kind of a creature of like rebellion. So the moment that we're free, we'll be able to, <laughs> you know, with me, I'm, I'm more of the, see, my biggest thing in the quarantine has been the movie theater goer. I'm a big movie theater goer. Yeah. And obviously I can't do that, but like, it's, it's weird because like, I swear I've watched everything on Netflix already. Um, but, uh, that's again, like when I'm say with the church, I'm worried about the theaters too, because like they're almost in the same type of concept where everybody's switching over the online that you do worry about an actual place to meet. But um, for the next few minutes, I want to talk about anything uh, that's new that you're coming up with because I've, I've been hearing a lot on your Facebook and been seeing a lot. Is there a new project in the mix? Yeah, there's there's a new one that I'm, I'm working on that is going to be uh, really a seismic shift on my previous uh, uh, works and my discography up to this point has been explicitly vertically based uh, communicating Christ um, and a lot of it has been has been worship um, I'm wired in a way that I'm you know constantly reinventing constantly looking at um, just pioneering things Wayne Gretzky was asked you know how do you how are you always at the right place at the right time in a hockey game? And, uh, you know, Gretzky said, listen, when everybody's looking at the puck, I'm looking at where the puck is going to be. And so I'm, I'm always wired to anticipate things uh, in, in, my, in my own life. You know, um, I will continue to do worship stuff, worship events, and in the future write worship songs. But, but, but right now, uh, I feel that that is a completely oversaturated, forgive me for using this term, it's an oversaturated market and, and industry. Uh, it is very limited uh, as, a, as an artist for me because um, the nature of that genre is to get people to sing along and participate. So the arrangements are very predictable. They're, they're, uh, the, the, the music, it, it's, it's all 
good stuff. But but for me, I'm growing as an artist. I'm not saying that I'm above that. I'm just saying I'm venturing into some new things. So uh, this new project is going to reflect a lot of the things that I've talked about in this um, in this uh, podcast. Uh, speaking human rather than Christian. I'm I'm I'm, I'm expanding. Uh, God is enlarging my my view of what it means. Uh, to be light in the world uh i've got some songs i'm working on um uh, that, that really celebrate humanity that that really talk about like uh, pain without being explicitly uh christian it definitely points to the answer um and also gets people thinking about it i love what you brought up about georgia lucas I'm reminded when George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were were writing together and they were doing the, the Indiana Jones saga, uh, the, the first couple of films together, I remember Steven Spielberg saying to George, George, we don't have to spell everything out for them. They're intelligent enough to figure things out. So this next project is 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 me stirring up some thought processes that I'm confident through the Holy Spirit leads people to Christ. And it's going to be a, a going to be a, it's it's going to mix a lot of genres stylistically. Um, and I'm excited about. Well, I'm excited too. Your content's always great, so I am looking forward to it. And I love the Christmas album by the way you just released. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, I may be contacting you for a music video, buddy, on this new project. Awesome. I'm <laughs> I'm we can work together. Awesome. I'd be I'd be over overjoyed and thrilled about that. That'd be that would be great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, do you ever find yourself um, with writer's block or do you find it kind of easy to write these songs being that you're from a faith background and that you have like so much joy of the Lord in you? And like so much love for actually writing and producing music, or is it hard sometimes? Like because I'm sure you feel the same way like I do in the film industry. You don't want to copy; you want to create new, and sometimes that uh, like freezes your brain a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's a great, great question. There's no clear cut answer to that. I mean, you know, someone once said creativity is stealing from all over or borrowing from all over you know our creative uh juices and our creative expression is is really a combination of what we've been exposed to um and we we paint that according to how we see it and that's what makes it so special and unique and diverse uh that creative process for me um there are songs in, in art that are birthed right they're birthed out of pain uh and and sometimes uh they're they're induced it's like you know when somebody um says you want something to eat and you're not really hungry and then you start nibbling on something and before you know it man your hunger's kicked in and you're 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 actively eating you know the creative process can be that way at at times uh, but I find that the overflow and the spring really wells up uh, for me um, in the mornings um, after I come out of the gym and I just, you know, I'm overflowing. But there are seasons where there's nothing going on. And what I would say to people is, man, just just let it naturally happen. There are times where you have to hash, hash there's certain things out, but but don't sit there and force hashing it out 
be diligent and sit there and work it out, but don't be afraid to walk away and leave it on the shelf until you come back to it. You know, it's different for everybody, but, but for me, it's a combination of um, a lot of different stuff. What is the now? There's been a lot of advice that you've given, and a lot of uh, a lot of things that you've said have uh, people influenced your life, and different quotes that you've used so far. But what is the best advice someone's ever told you? Very simple is um, all you can do is the best you can each day with what you've been given, and you leave the increase up to the Lord. When it comes to achieving dreams, when it comes to, you know, feeling, feeling fulfilled or or when it comes to creating and producing things, right? Um, As far as doing the, the being quote for, for me, the best, the best advice is, you know, nobody is better than being David DeMarco than you. Be who God created you to be. Be, here it is, be a voice and not an echo. David, thank you very much for joining me on Hope Speaks Podcast. Thank you for all you've done, and I look forward to hearing from you in the future. Thank you, Donnie. It's been a pleasure.